Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take it. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. If you're wondering why there was some random whispering during the podcast intro <laughs> that I'm not going to edit out, then uh, that was my dad <laughs> talking along to the intro. So <laughs> if it sounds a little weird in your uh, headphones or your your vehicle on on your way to work or, or wherever you're listening to, listening to it, that's why. So anyways, we are on day two of the Minnesota Duck Opener, Chasing the Opener series. And, oh man, oh man, we've crammed a lot of time and energy into two days. So, um, yeah, it is definitely, definitely eventful. Definitely our butts are whooped. But, yeah. We'll get into all that. So before we jump into the main part of the podcast, let's get a quick word from the partners, and then we'll jump right into it. Um, so first off, guys, I'd like to give a big thanks to Motion Ducks, guys. Motion Ducks is, um, this trip is presented by Motion Ducks, actually. They are the the um, partner for this, this trip, um, and guys, they make a great product. It is a jerk rig on, on steroids. That's not what they call it. That's what I call it, a jerk rig on steroids. Um, and puts lifelike motion in your set. Uh, it puts ripples in the water on those no-wind days, helping you finish those wary birds. Um, and I've hunted with it a lot in the last couple of years. I've made a point to hunt with it a lot. So it's, it's definitely a great tool, um, and I don't know what I would do at this point in my hunting without that tool. So check it out, guys. You won't regret it. Um, if you don't have one, you really need to get that tool in your tool belt for your duck hunting. Um, use code DUCKGUN10 over there, and you'll get a discount. Also, I'd like to give a big thanks to Final Approach. That's Final Approach, the one-stop shop for the waterfowl hunters. They got waders. I've been wearing um, the, the new FA waders. Um, and I'm going to have to look up the name now. But it's the new ones with the zipper in the front. Uh, what is it, the Branta? I believe it's the Branta Elite. So I'm going to, I'll tell you guys on the next podcast for sure what the name is, but I'm loving those new waders that they came out with. Uh, they got um, great decoys. We've been running the wood duck decoys here on this trip um, as a big part of our spread uh, because we're hunting wood ducks. So they got every kind of, of decoy option you can think of over there at Final Approach. So definitely check them out, guys. And you can use code. Duck gun over there and get a discount on the website fabrand.com. I uh, also like to give a big thanks to Weatherby. Uh, Weatherby is um, the they make great waterfowl shotguns. So uh, I've been running the SA, the SA, <laughs> the X, the SXS uh, side by side. Uh, Sam, how how do you like the element? You've been running the element today. I liked it. Yeah. First first time using a semi-auto, so that was... And a 20-gauge, too. A, it was a learning curve. <laughs> I kept trying to pump it. Yep, yep. And I kept waiting for the next... Or I'd hit something. To, yeah, it was... But for a pump guy, <laughs> yeah, after I got used to it, I, I liked it a lot. 
Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So they make some great waterfowl shotguns. They have the Element. They have the um, AT&I. And they have the side-by-side, um, the Orion side-by-side. They actually have over-under as well. So um, check them out, guys. They are uh, making some great waterfowl shotguns nowadays. And it's definitely worth, if you're in the market, it's worth your while to go um, check them out. Also like to give a big thanks to Onyx. Guys, Onyx, um, that app, we've been using it all weekend. Again, we talked about the, the cuts um, and being able to track it. That's a huge part of Onyx if you're hunting public land, being able to find your spot in the dark. Um, we had to do that this morning. This little cut, you could miss it so easy, but we are able to get back away from a lot of the other public land guys out there just because um, we're able to, to find and access uh, hard-to-get places on public land. So check them out, guys. Not only that, you can use it for the private land hunter. You get that tax information, um, knock on the door, get that yes, maybe a no, but at least you can get it quick and easy. So check them out, guys, over there. On X, you can use it on your smart, smartphone, smartphone or a PC as well. All right, let's go ahead and jump back into the main meat of the podcast, the hunt day, day two of the Minnesota trip. So we left off last night on the podcast talking about our predictions, talking about the plan. Um, so uh, this morning we got out there, we got up bright and early, and it was just torrential downpour. So um, did a couple things happened from that. One, a lot less people were out on opener. There's still a lot of people hunting, but I would say a lot less kind of would be my prediction from what I heard on um, from from people about other years. This year, with the rain, it kept a lot of people um, away, and we actually ended up getting a pretty good area with not very many hunters. So that's one thing. The other thing is we got absolutely soaked. So, I mean, how much how much do you think it rained, Dad? Oh, boy. You mean, like, how many inches do I think it right. rained? <laughs> we had four inches in the boat before we left the house. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, right. We, we had to drain the boat. It was, well, I mean, in the back, it was six or more inches. So, you know, average that out. Yeah, it, it was probably. I was gonna say maybe we got three inches of rain, and right, and we got the probably eight to ten hours that it. We probably got that much while we we're in the marsh too. I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, we we're standing there just. It was pouring. Well, I mean, on the drive there, it rained so hard that you had to slow down. Um, you know, to I don't know what you were doing, but driving very slowly because you just couldn't see hardly. Anywhere beyond the hood of the truck. Right. Anybody who is willing to sit out, because, you know, I think you can sit out at any time in Minnesota. You know, different states have different regulations for what time you can go out. But from what I heard in Minnesota, there's not like a midnight law to, you know, that you can't go out before midnight or 3 a.m. or whatever. Um, So that didn't, you know, didn't apply to us anyway, because we just kind of waited out. We thought we waited out the rain, but in all reality, we really didn't. So um, we we got out there, what? We we ended up getting out there about 4 in the morning and got out to the spot. It was like a gap in the rain. Um, and once we got out there, I mean, it just, 
poured. I had my coat. This is a pro tip right here. Should should be common knowledge, I think. But I didn't have a rain gear jacket, which I should have. F.A. has a, a great rain gear jacket, so check that out. Um, I actually don't have it, so <laughs> I know some of my other buddies do. And I need to put that on my list for days like today. They don't come that often, but when they do, it's like, man, that would come in great use. Um, but I had my waiter, which was, it was the F.A. Um, puffy jacket. But I had that in my waiter, so it really turned into like a collection device for the water uh, than to funnel it down to my feet and my waiter's. So, I mean, that's how much it, it rained. Like, I was squeezing out the sleeves and tons of water coming out of them. Um, but then all that that hit the jacket just kind of soaked into it and then dripped down my legs into my boots. I was just standing in water in my waders by, by like, shooting light. So, we had a little bit of a de- debate um, for what spot we were going to start at. Sam, how'd you feel about the choice for uh, where we ended up sitting. The first one? Right. I was pretty content with it, <laughs> I think. Um, we weren't getting ducks flying over, of course, so... Yeah, but... That, that was... I but, guess, but initially, I liked it. Right. I guess my point was, um, I feel like you were favored the spot we didn't end up sitting at, and then I kind of suggested the other one, we kind of went with it, but... From the get-go, you kind of liked the spot we ended up moving to. Correct, yeah. Yeah. So there was, like, no ill will, like, partway through the hunt where you, like, saw the birds <laughs> flying over the, the other spot. You're like, dang it, why did Jordan make us move? Yeah. <laughs> A little bit? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's hunting. Right, right. You got you to gotta <laughs> make a choice and go with it, and it was 50-50, and it ended up being the wrong choice because we had one uh, flock of three wood ducks come in and we didn't get anything. It was also first light and still a little dark, but they came in. Me and dad both took a crack, but we didn't uh, harvest a duck out of that flock. So, um, but after that, we had tons of birds flying around. We could see them flying over there and it got to about, 7 30 i'm gonna say and um i was just hoping hoping because we saw so many saw so many ducks but they just either would fly like 40 probably like more than that like they're flying right behind us and then they're flying like 100 yards in front of us but none of them were like coming right into our spread or they're coming up tall right above us and yeah so none of the ducks were working our spread right i mean i don't know how, what the distance was but it was no question they were out of range. In front of us, behind us. It was like a perfect little bubble where they just didn't want to be yeah. right where we set up. And and like you said, well, you didn't say this. Uh, shooting light was 622, wasn't it? And so 730, we were there about an hour and 10 minutes. Yep. And nothing other than that flock. And... W- you know, we're hearing other people shooting right all over the place. It felt like every group in the marsh was shooting but us. <laughs> probably not true because there's other people probably not shooting, but you hear so many other groups shooting, that's how it feels. 
So we ended up making the move to um, our original spot. And the, the the funny part of that, I should back up. So we sat there. We literally sat there in the boat. We went there. We said, hey, we should get this spot because we are the first people in our hole, in the in that whole marsh. There's like a little tiny mud cut that you had to come through. Hard to see if you don't know about it. Hard to find. But like once you find it and go for it, you know, you can get in there. And I think everybody else just didn't want to mess with it because you can get stuck in that mud cut if you're not like on plane and going full force. Um, but anyway, so we were the first group in there. We went and sat at the spot that was the money spot. And then we saw another group coming in. And I kind of got nervous. I was like, oh, man, I really want to run up north uh, in the marsh and maybe sit on that side. And then I didn't. Then I, like, circled around and sat back in the spot. I was really, really hesitant. And I couldn't decide between that spot and running up north. We ended up setting up north because the guys came in. And they're going to be, like, I don't even know, 250, 300 yards away, which is plenty. Like, we should have just stayed. So It was plenty, but we felt like they were going to be in the lane. Right. But they weren't. They would not. They, we didn't. I guess we didn't know exactly yeah. where they're going to set up, and they ended up setting up where it wouldn't have affected that spot at all. So, you know, I mean, we've never hunted in the marsh, and at the end of the day, unlucky that I just picked the wrong spot. I'd say. So, it's not all doom and gloom. We did. We ended up moving to that spot halfway through the hunt. We hadn't shot a bird, and we set up there, and it was like 10 after 8. And then, Dad, you shot your first wood duck at 8.30. You probably should have shot one at like... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I shot I shot at one. Right you away. You guys dropped me off, and I carried some things up to where we were going to set up. And did you both go drop the boat off? Why yeah, I think you so. Both okay, so yeah, I helped carry stuff back. That's right. So you both went to hide the boat, and while you're hiding the boat, I shot it one and whiffed. Right, it was so, coming right in too. Yeah, you buzzed the decoys, and I guess I just wasn't ready. Yeah, but I mean, it was a good sign, you know, birds working, and um, you know, going from not having any birds work and just hundreds of birds flying around us to go into the spot. And before we can even hide the bot, the, the boat having one cup in, uh, is a huge difference. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we got set up. You well, shot. Actually, there was one that buzzed the decoys even before that. So, you know, it was in the first, just very few minutes. He buzzed the decoys. I was putting my earplugs ear in. Mm. And so I had had, I didn't get a chance to shoot. And then within that same minute, then the, another one came in and I whiffed him. So the point being promising because all of a sudden we moved and there's a pretty good amount of bird traffic. Right. Almost immediately. Sam, you ready to be on the spot again? Sure. How'd you feel about your shooting today? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a learning curve. Yeah, no, we all have had days like that. Yep. I mean, I honestly didn't shoot great. I, I should say none of us really shot great. 
Is that fair, Dad? Yes, it is. I because I feel like I had a lot empty spots in my shell holder when I had very few birds on my strap. Well, we were we were talking at lunch too because like we talked last night. I'm I'm used to deer hunt, deer and turkey. Yeah, and the little bit of duck hunting I did, they're sitting on the water, not flying. So definitely, it's different, right? Yeah, definitely. flying and a semi-auto shotgun. I had it was fun. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. I just yeah. didn't hit anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, not initially. Right. All right. So, um, I mean, and a wood duck too. I feel like is a harder bird to hit than most ducks because there's a there's a lot of like bobbing bobbing and weaving and cutting around and waffling and yeah so it's not we talked about clay pigeons and how like you have experience shooting clay pigeons but even that it's like it's like you have a a clay pigeon that goes at 45 degrees away and a duck's like you know it's kind of ever-changing like it comes and it loops towards you you shoot then it goes up and away at a you know unpredictable manner and then you kind of just get good over time at getting a feel for it and you know the better you are the better you get get at having that feel and you just kind of calculate naturally you don't really think about like it's not like you're solving an equation your your brain just does it for you just like kind of like hitting a baseball or whatever you kind of just everything comes together and and you you know you hit it so I'm actually not good at hitting baseballs either. <laughs> <laughs> well, so are you? Uh, but this is a duck podcast. So. <laughs> are you? Um, where are you at with deer, turkey, and waterfowl? Like, where is where does waterfowl fall on your hunting hierarchy? Well, waterfowl is probably my favorite because you're one and done on turkey and deer, right? It's also was it two weeks each, right for the right. season basically? Because I firearm hunt, I don't uh, do archery, so not yet. Um, but waterfowl is three weeks here, four weeks there. It's it, you get a lot more time, and you can limit daily, mm-hmm. not seasonally. Right. So for you, it's just the amount of time you can go. Yeah, that makes it the number one. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm busy with life in general, so water, right. waterfowl gives you the ability to hunt more often. Whereas when it's deer season, it doesn't matter what's going on; you gotta you get out or you don't go. Yeah. So right, water, waterfowl is definitely my favorite. I just haven't had a lot of time to do it. Right. Why? Why do you? Or, why the, do you, or uh, the ability. <laughs> what I guess what what makes waterfowl hunting, you know exciting or you know uh desirable for you probably the volume of what you can do like the action and all that yeah so we talk about like you know one 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 turkey and you're done i mean they're beautiful birds right i'm not going to quit turkey hunting yeah but like again if, if if you can shoot two or three ducks a day or six a day if you're (laughs) <laughs> a, decent, a decent shot. Um, it's it's just more fun. It's more rewarding. You get a lot of you get a fair amount of meat out of them too if you're going often enough. Right, right, yeah, definitely all all of the above. It's kind of funny. We talk about like hunters and and uh, you know we all come from 
a long line of successful hunters or else we wouldn't be here, right? No matter like what the vegan or uh, vegetarian person wants to tell you. I mean, they their ancestors are hunters. Yeah, successful hunters. And I feel like, you know, not everybody gets it. Not everybody has that drive to hunt. And it's like you talk about like a dog with that tennis ball where there's something that it just kind of unlocks that predator prey drive you're bouncing in front of they're going to do anything they can and they're just wired for that you throw that ball and they go get it and they bring it back you know um and that's kind of like you have that with with duck hunters too just to, i mean hunters probably in general where it's like just certain people have that unlocked inside of them some you know at some point in their life and maybe some people who never go hunting never experience that or never have that um adrenaline and, and all that stuff that kind of goes along with uh, the hunting and <laughs> it's kind of funny funny on like openers because um i was telling you it's just it's always like a cluster like we're always just rushing around this and that and you know the birds aren't coming right where we need to go and we're moving the boat and jumping back in and getting set up and then here one comes cupping in and and we're all like oh here it comes to the left to the left watch you know and it cups right in and and something, you know, it's just like watching that bird come in and then shooting it and, you know, hopefully shooting it and it crumples and <laughs> all comes together. It's just, it's just super cool. So, yep. So, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we talked about like the harvest and eating, eating ducks and the meat and all that. And <clears throat> I think within the last week, I've kind of shared with you um, two of my favorite ways to eat waterfowl. And that's the goose pastrami. And then we smoked duck on, um, the, the smoker tonight. So now, I mean, which one's better? You had a thought, dad? Um, the smoked, I like the smoked duck better than the goose pastrami. Yeah. I, I think only because I like a warm meal better than a cold snack. Mm. Right? You can eat the pastrami warm, too. I see. Yeah. I had it warm, fresh out of the <laughs> smoker at Jordan's house. That's true. Good. That, that goose pastrami. Yeah. It was... well, it, we, I mean, we ate some in the truck on the drive up here, and it was really good. And I liked the way you had it a little spicier than normal because I, I like that. But Right. It was good, no doubt. Yeah. A lot of people say like uh, that duck and goose don't taste good. A lot of people yeah. that don't know. Right. You know, to me, though, um, and I suppose this could have happened with the uh, goose pastrami, but just the simple fact that today and yesterday we wore ourselves out and it I mean, I said in the boat when we were picking up decoys, man, this was a lot of work for just a few ducks. And <laughs> to be able to cook it and eat it tonight for supper was like and we didn't the even icing on the cake. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I I love I love cooking after a duck hunt <clears throat> or on duck trips in general, just bringing the the little camp Traeger smoker, smoking them up. There's just no better way to do it. I say that, and I don't even know if I like the goose pastrami or the <laughs> the duck on the smoker 
better. I mean, they're both really good. Yeah. I guess they're both on the smoker. But all goes to say that um, there's tons of, I shouldn't even say tons, there's a lot of good ways to cook waterfowl. If you don't think waterfowl tastes good, you're just not putting enough time and effort into figuring it out. And I just take some patience, some trial and error, trial and error, and some practice to get good at cooking waterfowl. And it's it's worth it to do that because we go and we hunt and we harvest the game. And I don't know. It's just doing it justice to finish the job and cook it well as well. So, and I'm still learning on all that. I think that, you know, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And there's just so many ways to try it. But I don't know. I just think a lot of people need to go down that route and, and try to make good good food out of their waterfowl and enjoy it. Because if you're doing it right, you're going to enjoy it. It's actually, it is pretty good. I actually think smoking's the way to go on it. Right. I just got into smoking meats in the last year and it's amazing how much better they are. My kids used to not eat half the stuff that my, my wife and I would make and we start <laughs> we start smoking it and now I mean they love it. They can't right. get, they can't get enough of it. Yeah. So yeah, I I it's it makes a big difference simply by smoking. Well, and, and it's uh, it's more moist. It's not dried out. Right. It's not chewy. Yep. It's just, I mean, it's it's really good. Yeah. And I, when I first started cooking waterfowl, I mean, I was terrible at it. I was putting it on the grill for way too long. I didn't realize you got to, like, cook it like beef. I was trying to, like, substitute it for chicken recipes. And it's just, it's not chicken. It's a bird. And maybe it seems intuitive to think that because a duck is a bird that it should be cooked like chicken that's also a bird. But that's just not the truth. And it's got to be cooked like beef. So, I mean, the only the only thing I could say that you could cook it like chicken is if you're going to shred it like chicken and noodles. But also they do beef and noodles or duck and noodles. So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Slow cook it. You can boil it. You can smoke it. You can, you can grill it. You just can't, can't grill it too long. Even if you're going to smoke it, you can't smoke it too long. But anyways, I guess I'm going down a, I'm going down a cooking rabbit trail yeah. like midway through our hunt. <laughs> so, Dad, so, go ahead and take take it away. What happened after we, we set up? Well, look, maybe I'll stick to the cooking thing. Have you ever, sure. have you ever had duck at a restaurant? No, I haven't, actually. I have. Actually, yeah. I have once. Okay, continue. To me, and I think this is true, farm-raised duck is more like chicken. Wild duck is more like beef. Is that true or is it not? That's just, it seems that way to me. Mm. That I, I mean, even recently. I don't know. Well, if, if they're grain-fed versus eaten out of the swamps well, and the rivers exactly and i think because a farm duck doesn't fly every day of its life um maybe that's what that's, does that that's probably the difference because um you think about like what muscles and what area the bird uses to fly you know it's going to be their their breast you know opposed to like uh, a farm raised 
duck isn't going to be flying, right? So, right. so that probably changes how tough that meat is. That's just a guess, yeah. but you know. Well, you know, I just you know after having duck hunted some for a few years, I went to a restaurant. I'm like, oh hey, you know what? I think I'll get some duck here, and it was was like chicken, and and I started thinking, well, why is that? Mm. That if you eat a farm raised duck, it's like chicken. If you eat a wild duck, it's like beef. Right. So, just pro tip on this: um, the goose pastrami was in the Meteor Cookbook, and I got the Shankal. What what is it? The sh- I can't remember now. It's another famous cookbook, and it was going to be a pro tip, but now I can't remember what's called. So, Shank, I can't remember. Anyways. There's some good cookbooks out there, even if I don't remember the names, um, for finding good recipes for waterfowl. So, anyways, jumping back to the hunt, Dad. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, today's hunt. Um, when we when we were at the spot where we changed spots and you missed the wood duck. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I missed the wood duck. And... Um, I may have missed one more shot at a wood duck after everybody, after you guys got there. Um, but then two came in, and Jordan, I think you were just holding off. Um, and so the setup was on the left was Jordan, I was in the middle, and on the right was Sam. And these this pair came in right over this, right over our spread. And uh, they were going left to right. And some of us shot. I know I shot. I think I took two shots. Maybe it was one. But I dropped one right straight in front of us. Right. And But that was the only one we got out of that pair. So I right. don't know whether you two. I, I know somebody else shot. And I can't remember who it was. I, I know I shot. Um, I was holding off but it was um it was kind of weird they they came in and the first bird was like the better shot and i was but i was the furthest to the left right so you were and shooting it, your lane really right no i had to i had to switch to the the second bird instead yeah. of the first one but i'm saying the first bird was a, a better shot and it was like it took everything i could i was like on it already i'm like i really need to switch to the other bird and then i like it was hard to force myself to do it because I was like locked on that front one and swinging with it, and it was like I had to like pry my gun off that one and put it on the back one. And when I did that, right when I shot, you shot and you dropped that one, the, the front one. one, the front one or the back. One? You you dropped the front one. Okay. So, anyways, turns out it was a hen, wood duck, right? Uh, dog went out and retrieved it, and so we're finally on the board. Yep. And yeah, and eight, it's like 8.30. So we, we hadn't shot a bird till 8.30 in the morning on opener after, like, spending the night in the marsh and being in the wrong spot. But yep. the crown jewel of the morning was we had that pair of mallards come in, and um, you winged one, and I crumpled the next one. I mean, just dumped it over. It didn't move again. Finished yours on the water. And, uh, but it was like, yeah, once that happened, 
my emotional state went from like a little depressed to like <laughs> pretty chipper. Right. Well, right. <laughs> Even you though know, your boots were full of water. Right, right. <laughs> Sam, you, need to, you need to move your mic a little bit closer to your mouth. Even when <laughs> we had just that one wood duck, and selfishly, I guess, right, right. I'm thinking... Man, I am just so glad that I didn't get skunked. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. that too and before really, the the mallards. Wasn't really caring about you guys, but right. I just was I've you know, inside I had a little bit of pride going on <laughs> cuz I had the only bird. And then well, you know, it was on and on and on and long time between birds. And at, at that point when those two mallards came in, I sat down on my mar stool. And I had my head down. I, I mean, I was tired, and I wasn't even paying attention. It was like, I'm going to take a break here for five minutes. And for some reason, I looked up, and there they were, almost in front of me. And I didn't know if any of you, either of you two even saw them, but I just, all I did was stand up and shoulder my gun and... Jordan, I don't even know if you said anything, but you and I shot about the same time. I shot a little bit, a split second before you did. Right. But that was weird. I almost didn't shoot because I felt like I wasn't ready. It happened so fast. Yeah. And uh, so then two two mallards in, two mallards down. Yeah. I kind of wish you didn't shoot, so I could have doubled up on them. <laughs> not really. Not really. So now I'm starting to... Even more so, feel right. Like okay, that that felt like a game changer. It's it's kind of yeah. crazy how like when when you when you finally knock a bird down, or when we had a, a pair come in, we knocked down two mallards. Which opening day September twenty third is that right? Twenty second, twenty third, something like that. Twenty third, it's twenty third. And we're shooting mallards, so that that's super cool. Um, other years on openers, you know, haven't got mallards till you know, multiple openers later on the chasing the opener series. So that was great. Unfortunately, Sam didn't probably have the same feelings as we did quite yet, but <laughs> did you, you didn't even shoot on that pair. Did you Sam? No, I did. And I was spectating. In fact, <laughs> I think I was sitting down at that point too. I think every time I would sit or turn a different direction is when the birds came. <laughs> yep. Every time you looked at your phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, we worked our butts off, and, I mean, there's a lot of things that kind of we could kind of add to the day story, but all in all. Well, there's there's more to tell for the for the day's worth of hunting. I don't know if you were getting ready to go there, but it sounded like you were going to conclude. But I mean, sure, me what, go you, there? what do you have to add to it? Okay, so, so, and you ended up then somewhere along, not long after that, and you got an, a wood duck. Yeah, we had another pair come through, and I knocked one down. Yep. And it was your turn to miss. Yeah. So it was like any time we had like two come in. This is like this is what I was saying. Like our shooting was not great. It was it was subpar. You know, obviously it's it's opener. A little knocking the rust off. I should I should be better because I've already been through teal and and goose opener. But this first. First hunt for you, Dad, and first hunt for Sam yeah. in three years. So a little knocking the rust off. But that being said, every, if we had a pair come in, maybe we'd like knock one down, if that, out of the pair. <laughs> so, yeah. That, yeah, right. But anyways, then, 
you know, so the way we were set up, we were facing the the big water, the bigger um, water was to our left, and then a channel that's maybe 30 yards wide, would you say? Sure, yeah. Okay, so right straight in front of us, a channel that's 30 yards wide, and then off t- toward the right, that opened up into a large um, pond or hole of lily pads. And at that point, the last couple of hours, I mean, wood duck after wood duck after wood duck coming in and either landing in the lily pads or flying out of range over the lily pads and then farther back in. So we we decided that we were going to try and go get some because during that two hours, we probably saw 10 wood ducks land in there. So... We got in the boat, and you drove me and Sam over the other side of the channel, and we were going to kind of set up so we could kind of play that traffic pattern that we kept seeing over there by the lily pads. Sam goes out and walks the line along the edge of the lily pads, and he was going to walk through them, and he did, and he kicked up some birds. And then finally you said, there's one, and what you said was, they're coming over those dead trees. Or it's coming over those dead trees. And I looked, and I finally saw it. And he flew, I mean, perfect right-to-left passing shot for me. And it was one that often you pass up because it was a little bit of a long poke. But uh, because, I guess because we hadn't been all that successful, I took a whack at it, fired one shot, and crumpled it. And uh, so that was a nice... Wood Duck Drake, we had to, I had to call you and say, hey, can you bring the dog over? Because I cannot find it. I knew that I had marked where it went down, but the weeds were super thick and I couldn't find it. And uh, Wes came over, Tim's dog, and... uh, Yeah, he sniffed it out pretty quick. He sniffed it out pretty quick. That was, and I had the mark almost exactly right, but it was just so thick I couldn't find it. Right, yep. Nope, that was uh that was definitely a good addition to your bag there. Yep. Can't so you can't feel too bad about I mean, you go out and you shoot three of your six birds, you know, after struggling in the morning. We make the move, um, and kind of move even more. I mean, there's birds moving all day, so yep. it was just kinda adjusting and honestly that, that kinda helps us out for hopefully what our plan's gonna be for the morning because we got a pretty good idea of how the wood ducks are used in the area. Um, it's nowhere. It's not what I imagined as what we'd kind of find for a wood duck spot, um, because a lot of times we hunt the timber for the wood ducks. Um, but it's like they're going out in the marshes. I don't know why. Like we drove when we scouted, just I mean hours trying to find a wood duck hole, and none of them were that. I think the locals kind of know where some ponds are that aren't dried up, because. On the map, we'd look, and there's a pond. You can't really tell how deep it is by the map. And then you go to it, and it's just nothing there. It's just all grass and vegetation. So um, the locals, though, they knew where wood duck holes were, and they were um, knocking them dead in there for sure. But, yeah, we're, we're hunting the marsh, and there is quite a few wood ducks in the marsh. So that's all going to kind of go into our plan um, for tomorrow. So I don't know if I said it, but... Uh, we probably should say it because we we had our predictions for you know on the last podcast and 
we didn't we didn't make it to any of our predictions. We ended up with five, um, not for lack of trying. We 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 did our best, but I will say you know the move did pay off. We shot one bird by eight thirty, and then after nine, we shot the last four and ended with five, two mallards, three wood ducks. You know, we did have a crack at a, a flock of blue wings and some other wood ducks that we we could have had more, but all in all, I mean, and you know another thing that happened too. This four pack of pintails, or we're pretty sure they were pintails, right? Came cruising over, and you were calling and calling and calling, and turned around. They got way out. You called and called and called, and they turned around and they flew over another pair of hunters. And we we're watching this whole thing, and all of a sudden, one of them just starts dropping, and then you can hear the gunshot. Right. After we saw the one drop, and then they just took off. So, I mean, we were working a, a four-pack of pintails, and they they flew in over somebody else, and they one of them got shot. Yep, that's public land hunting, and they looked yep. for a long time for that bird. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yep. I would, too. <laughs> right. Hopefully they found it. Hopefully they found it. So, Sam, I asked you, uh, so Sam, you you got skunked today. Yep. And uh, like I said, not for lack of trying. And I ask you, I think at, at dinner, uh, you know, what what's your, uh, I can't remember what my wording was, but, you know, me and dad both talked about how getting that bird under our belt, it was like a, a, a switch flipped. It went from like, kind of like depressed to like, uh, you know, put a little, puts a little pep in your step. So, you know, what's kind of, what's your emotional state? <laughs> after uh after the hunt today oh i'm still in good spirits it's kind of like you said in your your opening uh where the music's playing you said it's it's the journey it's the the adventure however you put that right right i know what you're Um, talking about but obviously getting your limit is the icing on the cake however so i mean i still enjoy the journey still have fun being out there in nature enjoying Enjoying all that. Yeah, we're talking. Hopefully, knocking more birds down tomorrow instead. But we'll see. <laughs> right, right. That'll. I, I really hope so too, because that'll put a, a pep in your step. As I was saying, uh, if you you know knock, you know one, two, three wood ducks down tomorrow, that'd be awesome. So, but it's like you said, it's it's all of its fun. Um, we're traveling out of state, going after the ducks, and you know doing it early in the year. So all that kind of stuff adds to the adventure, and and uh, we're in an area that none of us have hunted before. All of it's new. We're scouting, we're figuring things out. There's not a lot of water. That's not that's not helping us either. There's I mean very low water, um, regardless of like how many inches we got. It was down a ton. Um, but you know we talked about even like you know running the mud cuts and cutting through the marsh, and there's blackbirds and ducks everywhere, and it's just like uh, it's. It's 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 fun. Like people that don't get to experience this, I feel sorry for them to be honest. Because I mean, and I was one of those people not too long ago, and it's like a whole world of a sport that you have no idea exists until you kind of get, you know, 
involved in it. <laughs> and you can't accidentally come across it because it's out in the middle of a swamp. Right, right. And you kind of have to like know people or do a lot of research. And even if you do a lot of research, you still have to like kind of know people to really get as far into waterfowl as, you know, I've got at least, you know, it'd be hard to get to this point just 100% on your own. So yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And I'm glad that, uh, we got to do like a, a family hunt, you know, this weekend. So, but it will be the icing on the cake. Now, not even a limit, but if you just shoot a bird tomorrow, <laughs> true, <laughs> that'll be the icing on the cake for the trip. So, but we've only shot five. Some people would probably be upset if they shot five, but I feel pretty good about it. All things considered. And hopefully tomorrow we shoot at least five more. So what do you guys think? Anything else to add to kind of today's podcast? No, I I agree. It'd be nice to at least equal tomorrow what we did today. Yep. All righty. That's all we got for today. Stay tuned. We'll keep you updated for uh, day two of the Minnesota Chasing the Opener series. I'm Jordan Duncan Chronicles, Dad and Sam, and we'll see you guys on the next one.